Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion in Republican National Committee versus Democratic National Committee. Um, this was a per curiam opinion on an application for stay, and there was no syllabus, but it's just five pages on the opinion, so we're going to go ahead and read it. Application for stay, April 6, 2020. The application for stay presented to Justice Kavanaugh and by him referred to the court is granted. The district court's order granting a preliminary injunction is stayed to the extent that it requires the state to count absentee ballots postmarked after April 7, 2020. Wisconsin has decided to proceed with the election scheduled for Tuesday, April 7. The wisdom of that decision is not before the court. The question before the court is a narrow, technical question about the absentee ballot process. In this court, all agree that the deadline for municipal clerks to receive absentee ballots has been extended from Tuesday, April 7th to Monday, April 13th. That extension, which is not challenged in this court, has afforded Wisconsin voters several extra days in which to mail their absentee ballots. The sole question before the court is whether absentee ballots now must be mailed and postmarked by Election Day, Tuesday, April 7th, as state law would necessarily require, or instead may be mailed and postmarked after Election Day so long as they are received by Monday, April 13th. Importantly, in their preliminary injunction motions, the plaintiffs did not ask that the district court allow ballots mailed and postmarked after Election Day, April 7th, to be counted. That is a critical point in this case. Nonetheless, five days before the scheduled election, the district court unilaterally ordered that the absentee ballots mailed and postmarked after the election day, April 7th, still be counted, so long as they are received by April 13th. Extending the date by which ballots may be cast by voters, not just received by the municipal clerks, but cast by voters, for an additional six days after the scheduled election day, fundamentally alters the nature of the election. And again, the plaintiffs themselves did not even ask for that relief in their preliminary injunction motions. Our point is not that the argument is necessarily forfeited, but that the, plain, or the plaintiffs themselves did not see the need to ask for such relief. By changing the election rules so close to the election date, and by affording relief for, that the plaintiffs themselves did not ask for in their preliminary injunction motions, the district court contravened this court's precedents and erred by ordering such relief. This court has repeatedly emphasized that lower federal courts should ordinarily not alter the election rules on the eve of an election. See Purcell v. Gonzalez and uh, Frank v. Walker and Veasley v. Perry. The unusual nature of the district court's order allowing ballots to be mailed and postmarked after Election Day is perhaps best de demonstrated by the fact that the district court had to issue a subsequent order enjoining the public release of any election results for six days after Election Day. In doing so, the district court in essence enjoined non-parties to this lawsuit. It is highly questionable, moreover, that this attempt to suppress disclosure of the election results for six days after election day would work, and if any information were released during that time, that would gravely affect the integrity of the election process. The district court's order suppressing disclosure of election results showcases the unusual nature of the district court's order 
allowing absentee ballots mailed and postmarked after Election Day to be counted. And all of that further underscores the wisdom of the Purcell Principle, which seeks to avoid this kind of judicially created confusion. The dissent is quite wrong on several points. First, the dissent entirely disregards the critical point that the plaintiffs themselves did not ask for this additional relief in their preliminary injunction motions. Second, the dissent contends that this court should not intervene at this late date. The court would pr prefer not to do so, but when a lower court intervenes and alters the election rules so close to an election date, our precedents indicate that this court, as appropriate, should correct that error. Third, the dissent refers to voters who have not yet received their absentee ballots. But even in ordinary election, voters who request absentee ballot at the deadline for requesting ballots, which was this past Friday in this case, will usually receive their ballots on the day before or the day of the election, which in this case would be today or tomorrow. The plaintiffs put forward no probative evidence in the district court that these voters here would be in a substantially different position from late requesting voters in other Wisconsin elections with respect to the timing of their receipt of absentee ballots. In that regard, it bears mention that absentee voting has been underway for many weeks, and 1.2 million Wisconsin voters have requested and have been sent their absentee ballots, which is about five times the number of absentee ballots requested in the 2016 spring election. Fourth, the dissent's rhetoric is entirely misplaced and completely overlooks the fact that the deadline for receiving ballots was already extended to accommodate Wisconsin voters from April 7th to April 13th. Again, that extension has the effect of extending the date for a voter to mail the ballot form. In effect, Saturday, April 4th to Tuesday, April 7th. That extension was designed to ensure that the voters of Wisconsin can still cast their ballots and have their votes count. That is the relief that the plaintiffs actually requested in their preliminary injunction motions. The district court, on its own, ordered yet an additional extension which would allow voters to mail their ballots after Election Day, which is an extraordinary relief and would fundamentally alter the nature of the election by allowing voting for six additional days after the election. Therefore, subject to any further alterations that the state may make to state law, in order to be counted in this election, a voter's absentee ballot must be either 1. postmarked by election day April 7, 2020 and received by April 13, 2020 at 4 p.m. or 2. hand-delivered as provided under state law by April 7, 2020 at 8 p.m. The court's decision on the narrow question before the court should not be viewed as expressing an opinion on the broader question of whether to hold the election or whether other reforms or modifications in election procedures in light of COVID-19 are appropriate. That point cannot be stressed enough. The stay is granted pending final disposition of the appeal by the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit in the timely filing and disposition of a petition for writ of certiorari. Should the petition for a writ of certiorari be denied, this stay shall terminate automatically. In the event that the petition for writ of certiorari is granted, the stay shall terminate upon the sending down of a judgment of this court. It is so ordered. And again, that was a per curiam opinion. 
Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of the podcast, we can be reached at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S and 8-0. Or on Twitter at Court Syllabus.